Welcome back to Fringe with Benefits. This is episode 91 coming right at you from the Pacific Northwest in which we have a torrential downpour. We recorded this episode a couple months back. I decided to withhold it for a little bit just to be safe because this is a Naked and Afraid alumni who has an episode coming out this November on the new season. And I wanted to just be sure that she wasn't in violation of any some anything that she had signed so just you got to be really careful with these big dogs because they will come after you and lord knows we don't want to deal with them anyhow ashley morin will be on the show this week and she's here to ring in the the 90s the 91 91st episode of fringe with benefits And here I am again, I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Now let's get to it. All right, before we get super involved in Ashley and I's conversation, I have to make a quick disclaimer. Sometimes when you're in a conversation, a full-blown conversation, and you want to talk about something and your mind draws blank. So here's a little accountability segment for you. I could not think of the Washington gun laws that came down on us in the last couple of years. So I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of what I'm actually trying to talk about during our conversation. So there was banning of certain semi-automatic rifles in 2023. And then imposing a 10-day waiting period on firearms purchases, which I think there should be some sort of waiting period anyways. That's not a big deal. This The semi-automatic rifles is not good. And then there was one that cleared the way for lawsuits against gun makers or sellers, which is just fucking insane to me. The people that are fighting against this in the courts are Firearms Policy Coalition and Second Amendment Foundations. They sued in district court. I don't know what the results of that were, but I do know that there was a judge that overturned a very similar law as what we have now here in Washington, which sets the precedence that they are in violation of the Second Amendment of our U.S. Constitution. So that's good. It not only violates the constitutional right to keep and bear arms, but it is setting a terrifying precedence to full-on gun control or full-on gun eradication. State of Washington has criminalized one of the most common and important means of which its citizens can exercise their fundamental right to self-defense, the plaintiffs said in their suit. The culprits of this awful, awful stuff that's coming down on Washington is Jay Inslee, our current governor, and then the state attorney general, who might actually be our next governor. His name is Bob Ferguson. They're both radical Democrats. They have pushed Washington legislature to pass the ban on many semi-automatic weapons after years of failed attempts. And then this came directly right after in 2022, there was a Washington measure that took effect the July of 2022. It doesn't prohibit the possession of magazines, but it includes exceptions to magazine limits for law enforcement and correction officers, members of the armed forces, National Guard, licensed firearm dealers, and those who sell to institutions. So any other regular Joe or Betty cannot have a certain capacity of magazine. So no more 30-round magazines for us in the state of Washington. Can't buy them. 
I guess you can have them if you bought purchased them before, but who knows if that's going to stay the case. And I tell you what, if they tell you you can't have them, I'm leaving. Anyways, violations would be considered a gross misdemeanor, which in Washington is punishable by up to 364 days in jail, a maximum fine of up to 5000 or both. So they are coming down hard and fast on gun owners in Washington state. Now on to the conversation with Ashley. All right. Welcome back to Fringe with Benefits. We have Ashley Morin with us, season 12, episode six, Shark Attack. We were just talking about how absolutely ridiculous the name of her episode is, but she is the one that's infamous for um, having a shark attack, I guess. So, but she's way cooler than than the shark thing i have to tell you she's the only one that i've been watching during this whole 2020 till now debacle that's been out there speaking truth and telling people what's up and i'm so glad to have her here to discuss this whole barrage of insanity that we have which is our current nation and um people are nuts right oh yeah totally (laughs) i mean it's it's such a it's such a big topic and there's so many levels to it that it's I mean insanity is a good word but I mean it almost feels kind of like we're in a different like facade like we're not even I don't know just everything feels so different now and it's kind of scary to know that it's probably always been like this um there's always been a lot that we didn't know and now that it's all coming to light, it's like, holy cow, like, mm-hmm. it's always been like this. And we just had the blinders on and now the blinders are off and it kind of is like, it's kind of scary. It is. It's very scary. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little unsettled by the talk of the masks coming back and, you know, more money from our government towards vaccine production. And it's very upsetting. And, and- and people give me crap about talking about like, what if it was to happen again? What if government was to bring that back? And people are like, you're being paranoid. Stop. Don't talk about it. Don't be paranoid. And it's so, like, I want, it's so frustrating because I'm like, well, what if it did happen? What would you do this time? Why is that inappropriate to ask and to start putting it out there? Like, who's with me? Who is going to say no with me this time? Even if you lose money even if you lose your next gig even if you have to put your kids in a different school even if you have to move like what are you willing to do to say no this time because now i think you know the corporations and the government and and things who want control know how easy it is to get mm-hmm. and i i don't i don't see it ending anytime soon maybe it's not going to be a mass next time maybe it's going to be our bank accounts maybe it's going to be our properties maybe it's going to be i mean we owe a lot of money to china I, it's kind of scary to think about what could happen. Mm-hmm. And so to, to think to be, I'm just not naive enough to think that nothing could happen again. Well, fucking bravo to you because I respect you so mm-hmm. much because you're one of the only people I see out there, especially from the whole naked and afraid genre. A lot of us have a pretty big voice and I've been very forgiving to most people like, um, you know, the big ones out there, Laura, EJ, Steven, 
even Amber, all of them that have a huge viewership and they have not used their platform. Now we know how they feel. I know how they feel because I've talked to them face to face about how they feel about this whole thing, but they have not spoken out. They've kept their social medias very straight to the point and to what they do, which is, I get it. It's fine. And I've been ultra forgiving about that, but now it's on us to, we have a responsibility like if you have any kind of following and I don't even have the kind of following that these people have, they're really good at social media. I'm not. And so now I think that they, they have an accountability to the rest of us because they feel the exact same way that we do. It's just, they don't have the balls to say anything. And sorry to all my friends out there. If, if you're listening, <laughs> I know you got balls, but can we see them for once? And I think if you take that a little bit, if you take that a little bit bigger, like we're this little community of naked and afraid, think of how much bigger the celebrity slash like music industry, Hollywood, this big bubble of people that aren't talking, Uh right? Because they're scared of being canceled. And this cancel culture is so, it's, it's, it's paralyzing. But um, I think before I was um, asked to go on my second naked and afraid challenge, I kind of really had this awakening in myself that I wasn't, even if it cost me getting asked again and again and again, or a different opportunity or, you know, whatever it was that I wasn't going to be able to be quiet in lieu of any kind of fame. Uh, Fame is, it's futile. It's going to end. My episode, I started on national TV. I was a week of like, Oh my God, on the internet. And then a week later, they forgot about me. You yeah. know what I mean? And so fame is so like futile, but like your integrity and what you stand for and how you you view the world and how you share that view is, is, is forever. And so I have grace for them too, for not saying anything. They've obviously made it bigger than me before COVID ever even went down. So who knows what I would do if I had that many viewerships or who's, who's, hands would be holding my hands behind my back saying you're not allowed to say this and this so I can't say I would do anything other than what I'm doing but I just knew for me um, I would turn down opportunities if it came down to um, even like the vaccine Uh, for the second episode I was like I'd love to come but my my one ground rule is that's a no for me and so um, luckily it was a little towards the end of the pandemic and it was more grace for the vaccine but I mean, I had some, some strongholds and that was one of them. And I I think it's important. Did they want you to get it? You know, what's funny is I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but the only person who ever asked me about it was when we did it with psyche Val. So it was a mental health doctor from LA making sure that I, that I knew about it, making sure that I thought about it and making sure that he knew that it was important for me to get it. And I, I was very respectful. I didn't want, I wasn't about to fight with the doctor. I just said, I have my views, you have your views, but ultimately this is my body. And there's, there's no way I can be convinced of anything in a five minute conversation like this. So mm-hmm. it's, right. it's still a hard no for me. Thank you. <laughs> but thank you for caring. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> That was, that was the deal breaker for me too. And the testing was almost a deal breaker. They, I got a phone call from some of the big guys overseas and they were like, come on, we really want you to come. It's, it's not a big deal. You know, it's, 
it's only a couple times, you know, it's peer pressure. And I was like, all right, I'll do, I'll do the testing, but I didn't want to. And I felt like I was going against my own ethical standards by doing that. But for some reason, I I really thought I needed to be there. And now I could kind of see why, because I've established a really amazing friendship with Cheney. I got to spend a lot of time with Amber and Steven and got to see some people I haven't seen in a long time, got to meet some people I've never met. And so now I can kind of see why I was out there. And it also, it was a huge um, come to Jesus moment for me to see where I have weaknesses because I was able to see some serious weaknesses in myself on this last one. And I guess people don't realize what the journey inward is when we do this, how much bravery it takes just to go out there and then to, you know, let alone compete against other people and it's it really shows you a lot about your clothes off Mm -hmm. or take your clothes off in front of a camera like the first hour to you're naked in front of camera like people don't understand what is going on in your mind you're like holy cow like totally exposed like (laughs) ah, like and that's just level that's just level one exposure but no I I totally respect that you you went on it you took what you can and I mean, it's so easy to look back, especially when we don't win or we don't finish, or if we mm-hmm. do finish, just look back on our journeys and like pick it apart. But like, I think naked and afraid is way deeper than that. I think it was like a spiritual journey. And even if both of my episodes suck, and even if they never want me back, it was like, I tell everyone, it was the best therapy I've ever had in my whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think more people yeah. need to experience it in order to I, I said that I've said that before. I'm like, I wish everyone could just go live in the woods without phones and mirrors and people and society and peer pressure and just be out there and only be able to like rely on yourself and then build this bond with this person. Like those bonds that I have with both of my partners are so deep mm-hmm. that it's kind of mind blowing. Like I've had friendships before, but like, yeah. I mean, I would do it. I would do it every year if they asked me mainly for just like my personal, my personal development, nothing to do with the episodes or fame or anything. Just, I would just be out in the woods naked for three weeks a year, every year, just to reset my mental health. Totally. Even if, you know, not being televised, somebody should do something for others like that, you know, anyways, um, I've got, (laughs) we should, we should, develop something, some sort of program for folks so they can, you know, get close to what we've gotten. I mean, I've, I've heard of like PTSD. I've heard of like PTSD, um, outdoor outings and, um, just being connected now with nature. I'm like, I totally see how nature and just, you know, the water and the springs and the, the grounding and the sleeping on the floor with the wild, like all of that, like it's miserable miserable while you're doing it don't get me wrong like while you're doing it, you're like oh my gosh I just want a bed and a pillow and a meal but there's something to suffering mm-hmm. that that reminds you you're alive absolutely and not to take life for granted that's um that whole have you read man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl I think yeah. I just quoted out of that book. Yes, I have. Yep, yeah. Yeah. And it also exactly. reminds me of Jordan Peterson talks a lot about. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Absolutely. Same page. So here on Fringe with Benefits, we talk about topics. I don't know if you've ever listened to the show, but I pulled some articles of some current events and I wanted to get your take on it because most of it is just absolutely ludicrous and it really pisses me off. And that's why I talk about it because I can't take it anywhere else without some sort of feedback. And so I come here because people can't talk back. Now they can send me an email and talk shit, but um, those are funny. So I'll just read those. (laughs) (laughs) when they come in um the first one is chelsea clinton's versus her clinton health access initiative along with who unicef and bill and melinda gates foundation did a a talk or a, a a group chat um talk sesh on the big catch up which is an 18 month program which would be the largest childhood immunization effort ever in efforts to catch up unvaccinated kids. They want to reverse the declines in childhood vaccination recorded in over a hundred countries since the pandemic. So we know that people have gotten smart since the pandemic. This is kind of like the huge wake up. What do you think about her efforts along with these other organizations on the big catch up? <laughs> Sorry, there was a, I was outside and there was a loud um, weed whacker starting, but <laughs> I think it, you could tell by how I was shaking my head the whole time we were talking. There was a few, hold on, I'm trying to grab my charger. There was a, hold on one second. Sorry. No worries. Um, there was a few major red flags as you were talking mm-hmm. first off um we all know bill clinton i'm gonna put this out there in the world right now he does not care about you living he does not care about your health he is not out to make the world a better place he is not a philanthropist or however you say that word and so when i hear him saying in one sentence the earth's going to die if we don't decrease population. And then in another sentence saying, I want to help you live longer. Take all my vaccines. <laughs> it doesn't connect the dots. And so I think COVID woke me up to the corruption, which is our pharmaceutical industry. Um, and I think it goes beyond vaccines. I think the more I look into almost every single one of their products, every single one of them has a horrid side effect. So like maybe you cured this one thing, but now you have anxiety and depression. And the the deeper you go down this hole of what is big pharma, what, how much money do they make? And if you start following this trail of money into the childhood vaccine schedule, there's so many facts that you can't dispute. I think the biggest fact that comes to me is that in 86 or 87, I can't remember exactly, they made it illegal for you to sue vaccine companies for damages. So it went from like 10 shots on the childhood vaccine to like 30, 40, 50 and and rising every year. Every year they add another vaccine to that darn schedule. And there has never once, not one time, and I'm sure in that talk with Clinton and, you know, all their, their ponies, was there ever a talk about, is there a study done on someone who's received the whole vaccine schedule, all of these people versus people who have not? Mm-hmm. And I think if there was to ever be that study, 
vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Um, one, it would never be released. Um, big, big farm would squash it. Um, but two, I don't know how to say this without like triggering people, but even if the people with 100% vaccines had issues, the media just blames it on someone else. So they stonewall you. And then they say, oh, that's from this or that's from this. And they never even, they never let us even look into it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it's so frustrating. And so I think for me personally, there's nothing I could do about it. It's such a big out of control giant at this point that I've kind of just chose to step away from everything that is big pharma and really focus on like natural healing and just healing myself and like trusting my body. We spent how many years before waking up thinking our bodies are broken and they need all of these big pharma products to survive or they're going to die when they're a baby mm -hmm. and to, to just know, and Nathan and Frank kind of helped me wake up to that too, to how awesome and amazing and capable my body is. And there's things out in nature that heal you and help you. And you don't have to go straight to the doctor. You can, you can figure it out on your own too. You can be your own doctor without years. And they, they tell you, you need years and years and years of, of, of education to be able to heal someone else. When it's like, I know how to read. What do you mean? Like I can, <laughs> yeah. like, and we're just, we're, they want us dumb and stupid so they can tell us what to do. And our money, mm -hmm. our body is their, they're literally their pin cushion to make money off of. Yeah. And it's, I just decided to step away because those people, Hillary, anyone in politics at this point, Epstein, all of those people, not Epstein, sorry see how I put him in that same category, but it's just <laughs> kind of scary. Too. Like, I don't want them to have any access to my body. I don't want them to have any access to my body or my children's body at all at this point. Like I'd rather take being that in the control group of like, well, wonder if I don't do any of that, let's see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And I do have a lot more intuition that that's going to look better for our health in the long run than lining up for everything they tell me to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the next article is just going to, well, you probably already know this, but um, a retired police detective whistleblower came out. This woman had spent years investigating cases of SIDS, which those who don't know, sudden infant death syndrome, and that at least 75% cases that occurred within 48 hours of vaccination. So she was assigned to child victim sexual assault unit with her husband, who was also a retired sergeant, and she has not given her last name. So she hasn't fully disclosed who she is or the area in which she lives, but she did come out and say, this is what she said. One thing I started to really notice was that medical examiners would detail a lot of things on the death reports, like the baby, what they were eating, if they had a bath, if they had lotion on, what kind was it, if somebody was smoking in the house, they left no stone unturned, but they would never put down if they were recently vaccinated and, but they would put down any other, <clears throat> excuse me, medicines, Tylenol or whatever, but never vaccine. So that totally just kind of puts the nail in the coffin of what you just said is that even even if that was a potential cause they would never fess up to it or say that 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 could be the problem and not only is SIDS a huge issue like 
we're having lost pregnancies, we're having babies die. But the autism phenomenon, which exponentially autism rates have gone up just as the the vaccine schedule has gone up in numbers of vaccines. So I thought that that was interesting. And maybe more people are starting to notice, you know? Mm-hmm. It's getting too big. You can't not see it. Yeah. No, yeah. Still- I have a personal, I have a little bit smaller story about that that kind of helped me turn my wheels one for what's actually going on, but two for how scary our government and our pharma are in bed with each other. So we have our childhood pediatrician here in Portland, Oregon, Dr. Paul Thomas, and um, he is openly anti-vaccine, but his office also does vaccines for parents who want him. He just gives full informed consent. That's what he does. That's what his, he's like, I'm going to give you all of the good and the bad, and then you decide um, risk versus reward as all drugs are supposed to be done the proper way of, you know, the medical industry. Well, he did a study with him and his um, associate, another pediatrician. So their whole, everyone in their whole practice that they put him in groups, vaccinated versus unvaccinated and like tenfold vaccinated kids had higher rates of autism, higher rates of asthma, eczema, food allergies, peanut allergies was the biggest one. And he submitted these results to, I, I, to, to be peer reviewed, right? So the next level, so you, you make your study and then you go have it peer reviewed. I think like half of his peers agreed with it and half of them flagged it and they sent it in and Oregon stripped him of his license. He's no longer allowed to be a, a medical professional in Oregon. These were like 1800 people in his practice and like like these were real results. Like this was the real world results, not in a lab, not with big mm-hmm. pharma funding it, no, no big dollar money. And they destroyed this study. They, they picked it inside and out and to just watch him be destroyed, his, his character, his everything. When I knew this man in person, like he had character like he he always chose like for example when our kids had ear infections he would recommend garlic or mullein oil before he ever gave us antibiotics because he said antibiotics have uh, you know a lot of risks let's try something that's less risky first before we go to something that has a lot of risks Mm -hmm. and I just love that about him and so to see him and that's just like right very small that's just here in my community but Imagine in the world how many people that happened to or how many doctors have started to question and were immediately destroyed. Just like during COVID, if a doctor spoke up and said, hey, well, hold up, you know, locking down children and masking them and putting them in their home away from friends and family and on iPads and away from play is going to have long term side effects. You're anti-science. Don't you want do you want people to die? And it's similar with vaccines. Do you want that kid to die? Uh-huh. And it's that was yeah. scary. It and is. I'm it's like, sick. I just I can't participate in any of that. I'm like, nope, I'm just gonna say no to nothing. Or I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no to everything because I don't trust anything now. Right. Yeah. Same here. I it, it's even hard to determine what's real and what's not when we're seeing yeah. it on a screen, you know. 
but we know what's real, what's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And I know my children have not been to the doctor in four years. They haven't had a shot. They haven't had an antibiotic. We've had maybe 24 hour little here and there flu or like not flus, uh, fevers once in a while. Um, maybe two or three times in the last four years, never needed a doctor, never, not one ear infection, no eczema, little healthy little goers. They have energy from the time they wake up to the time. And that is my proof right there. Mm -hmm. I don't need any other proof. I can just look and see the health of me and my husband and my family and say, okay, this is above average in America and America average is failing. So I'm not going that way. Do you know what happened to your doctor? Where did he go? His practice was sold. He actually started a podcast. So he, he took his, his mind elsewhere um, because obviously he can't practice, but there's a few good doctors who took over his practice who have similar, similar outlook. So it's still a really safe pediatrician's office. If say, if we needed anything, mm-hmm. but we still haven't even been there in four years is what I'm trying to say is like, we don't like, what do you need an MD for? The only thing they can do that you can't do is write a prescription. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's terrifying. I don't, I don't want to take my kid to the doctor in the state of Washington because yeah, if you know, my kids trans and they want to, if I don't, or I will not go along with affirming that they can take her and put her in the foster care system and the state will pay to give her, um, hormones. Yeah. That's a whole nother Pandora's box. One, the government is never going to love a child more than a parent, even Mm -hmm. if they are not affirming whatever, however, whatever crappy terminology they want to use. The government will always be worse. Foster care will always be worse than a parent. They already know this. That's science. They know it. Second of all, why can I not affirm my child without medically affirming them? Why can I not say, oh my gosh, like, let's talk about that. Let's explore that. Let's, I love you. Let's work this out. Let's, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to go? Oh my gosh, I got to get you to a doctor. Oh my gosh, a doctor needs to affirm you. Oh my gosh, let's get some pharmaceutical products in your body. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, let's get you under a scalpel. Like we don't need to go there. I, I, we can't even give this, our kid can't even go get a tattoo mm-hmm. until they're 18. Why the heck would our government or anyone or anyone in the medical industry be okay? It's wild to me. And I am a mother who loves her children. And I, if they came to me right now and they said they're the opposite sex, I would never shun them or mm-hmm. anything like that. I would understand and help them understand that social conditioning probably has a big part of it. I would introduce them to a lot of studies about how a lot of people by the age of 28, 30, they start to be more comfortable in their body and they revert back. Um, And I also, I would just give them all the information, but I would never be like, nope, not going to hear about it. Knock it off. Like, (laughs) that's not what anyone's doing. We're just saying, no, right. I don't need a doctor right now. Like, don't, don't think that a doctor is better for your child than you are ever. Mm -hmm. And they use fear to convince people that, that that's needed. You have to go down that path or else your kid is going to kill themselves. Because uh, that's what the studies show is that. But the, that's not even. It's not true. It's no, a lie. No, it's not even a real. And the fact that you even said that, I'm like, why do people keep repeating that? Because if you actually look into it, they have the same 
suicide rates after transition. Exact mm -hmm. same, if not more. Because once you start down that road, it is very scary to ever change your mind. Yep. If you start down that road and everyone's on your team and everyone is, oh my gosh, so amazing. You're so loved. They're getting all of this attention. It would be mm -hmm. very scary to be like, you know, I think I changed my mind. Everyone would, if you watch any detransitioner stories, they are shut out from the mm -hmm. community. This community is all loving and encompassing and, oh, let us take you in while you transition. As soon as you say, eh, actually, maybe not, or hold the, pump the brakes. Maybe I'm just me. You're out. You know what I mean? So it's very scary to, so I don't think we'll know what this generation that this is kind of, you know, what they're doing right now when they feel uncomfortable in their bodies. I don't think we'll know until they're probably 30, 35 and can fully share their story. Cause I just know for me, I think 28, 30 was kind of the age I started to have my feet really solid on the ground. Mm -hmm. And I was able to say, mm, I know you're all going that way, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It was very, it was very scary up until that age to, to go the different direction than your friends, even if they're making bad choices. Absolutely. So, um, I, I know that's why tattoos, I know that's why consent is the age of 18. I know that's why sex with a minor is, is illegal, um, which who knows how long that's going to be, you know, 18 with this scary world. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, the age of consent and a parent is very, very, very big deal. And a, and government and doctors will never know better for one's child than a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. I love and your so take on that. It's maddening. Well, on, on that subject. So Europe has kind of backpedaled from its position a few years ago. My, my experience with this was 2019 before the pandemic and there was nothing out there about it. And so all I had were the scientific studies that were in Europe because it, they they were so ahead of us on this. And now they're starting to back off of the their opinion in the field of gender medicine. Norway, Finland, Sweden, and the UK are they're backing off and saying that you know you know our data was wrong. It was corrupted, but the U.S. is just getting to that point where they're starting to double down. And they have affirmed their stance that we need to start to keep operating on these kids underage. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think on that note, I think why U.S. Sorry, no, go ahead. Whenever I'm comparing U.S. to other to other countries, I automatically go to. Pharma advertise in our in our countries and so it would make total sense if just thinking with a business mind here mm -hmm. they would push some some agendas on us and our children to line their pockets and so if those countries norway england they don't these come big pharma knows i can't even advertise in your country they're not, they're not going to push it as hard. So I think it was a little easier for them to backpedal because they don't have, you know, they're not as in bed with big pharma. Don't get me wrong. Big pharma has indoctrinated the world, but, um, United States is really in bed with them. They have, they have 
lobbyists down every single politician's throat, making laws every single day to protect their asses, to, to squash anyone who talks crap about them. Like RFK Jr. right now, like I'm totally on his train. I'm totally, I, I'm loving him as a candidate, but it is also very scary to know what they're going to do to him. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. But he's he's definitely a fresh breath of air, you oh, know, totally. running on the Democratic ticket, which is bizarre, you know, because if anybody's going to get some of these you know, more normal Democrats on board, it would be him. And he's been mm-hmm. down the road with the, the food science and the pharmaceuticals. And he's been a warrior for the cause for a long time. Yeah. So I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, okay. So when, okay, the fires in Hawaii, been wanting to talk about this for a while, cause this is fucking weird. I was like, have there ever been any wildfires on Maui before? And so I was like looking at historical news about wildfires in Maui and I couldn't find anything, but I did find that five months ago, Space Force Observatory spilled 700 gallons of fuel on top of a sacred Hawaiian volcano. Did you hear about that? (sighs) (laughs) Isn't that nuts? (sighs) It's at a facility that just so happens to have the largest optical telescope. The Department of Defense has this huge telescope at the Maui Space Surveillance Complex. And they had this spill in January. And Hawaiians are pissed, obviously, and Space Force is trying to clean it up. But they've removed an estimated 84,000 pounds of soil. Crews are still working to see how deep the fuel may have saturated the ground. Not that I'm saying that this fuel, like, helped the fire move or anything, but it was a huge red flag to me as to what the actual fuck are they doing on Maui or what are they doing in Hawaii for one? But second, there's gotta be some sort of, some sort of connection or exploitation on the part of the U S government. So you didn't hear about that then, huh? I mean, obviously I've heard about Maui and I've seen a lot. I think where we hit in this society is we don't trust Mm -mm. our government anymore. And when big things like this happen that have big dollar signs on them, right? All of that property is worth a lot of money. And I mean, the the governor already said day two, he wants to acquire the land to help people get it back in order. And I just can't help but think how far from our constitution that is. People know how to help each other. We know how to set up organizations to go and help those people in Maui, but we have we we are brainwashed to think, oh my God, the government needs to go help them. But we can all help. They can help. They are a community. Let them be a community. And and whether however this fire started, which is nor here nor there, we're not going to ever know the truth. I don't believe that about a lot of things. 9-11, there's so many things that we could go down these deep rabbit holes about and get really super pissed. But like, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. It's, we need to stand up for those people. And we need to say, no, government, stay away. Everything you touch, you destroy. And just stop. 
these, this is, this is land that is the people's land. This is our land and we will take care of it. If you want to send Red Cross food, supplies, things like that, that's one thing. But if you want to acquire the deeds to our land so that you can better organize, like what have they ever taken? Healthcare, what have they ever taken under their wings? Oh, healthcare system's really shitty. Let us take it under our wings and fix it. They ruined it more. Mm-hmm. Like, no. And so the gasoline thing, I don't doubt it at this point with, with what we know about how corrupt our government is and what they do behind the scenes, how scary CIA and all of that stuff is and what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Nothing's beyond the, the realm of capability, but we as a nation, we really need to get back to that constitution. We need to make the government smaller. We need that, less yeah. taxes. We need less programs. We need more people. We can take care of each other. That's what that's, the system is ruining our community. Doctors would do, do pro bono work if there wasn't such so much government uh, taxes, things like that. And so I think it's just a big example, a small example of the bigger picture here. And it's, this won't be the last disaster in America or in the world. And we can all talk about how it started, but it's not going to do anything. You know what I mean? It's, they're just going to call whoever's questioning it conspiracy theorists anyways. They're not going to give any credibility. We could do a full investigation onto those fires. We could have proof. We could have filmed proof that it happened and that they still would never admit it because they would never want to be seen as weak. And so we're in this frustrating place, I think, as a nation where, unfortunately, it's like we only can take care of us on our own. And I really hope everyone in Hawaii, it kind of feels like we're separated from them and we can't help them because they're across the ocean. But I feel like if that was like California or Arizona, like I would like step up and help. You know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. We need to, I don't know if I went off a tangent there, but no, I think no, you know, no, you're right. You're right that we need to be in solution and, and talking about the problem is just uh, perpetuating further, you know, yeah, discord and not, it's not helping. Um, and I, think I mean, obviously right. I don't want it to keep happening, like with how much money they, how much money and control they can have with this whole climate change agenda. I'm not saying we don't need to take better care of our earth. Obviously, I love this planet. I want to take great care of it. I would love, love for India and China to stop doing 90% of the pollution, but I don't know how that's going to happen. But wildfires have been happening since the beginning of time. And once you start to understand nature and how nature needs to reset and needs to burn, it's a part of nature. It's it sucks because we have so much people on this planet now. It really affects us and it affects communities. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. But I know there's other safeguards besides more taxes and letting the government take care of it. I don't think that the government or more taxes are going to solve climate change. So if they're going to keep, you know, blowing one or two wildfires, I mean, we wildfires are a serious thing. But if they're going to keep blowing it up on media that we need to give the government more power to to fix wildfires i just don't that's it's not gonna work and and it seems like the things that they have done to like protect our planet like um not logging certain forests like the forest i live next to they don't touch it it's been you know it's like a preserve 
if it got dry enough here, we would all be done. You know, the whole fucking thing would go up in flames. And so by not allowing us to go in and log these super dense forests or doing any kind of cleanup or like you said, the community have cooperatives together to go in and and clean up or um, put on people personal responsibility to take care of their property or, you know, there are certain like smaller um smaller situations like the invasive weed problem like everybody's accountable for their own little section why couldn't we do something like that for for larger problems you know it handed over like you said to the community because we can't we can handle it we can take care of it and as far as the poor people in hawaii people have been trying to to get to them like what do we do in the situation when they're not allowing us to get to them to bring them provisions where's the line from allowing that or um they had to go get dirty they had to go get passes from the police officers to walk back to their homes permission slips they were lined up to get permission slips like i can't i'm imagining my home i'm sitting right now burning down to the ground and me waiting at the end of the block for the cops to say okay you can go rummage through your stuff no way i'd wait in that line i would what the like Mm-hmm. I know like, everything the government touches or tries to coordinate is always worse than what we can do ourselves and it comes down I mean it relates to so many things drug problem homeless problem mm-hmm. like the more money we throw at it with the government the worse they make it and so it almost makes me wish we could just kind of start over with government like why don't we have term limits why don't we have massive lobby laws Mm-hmm. Why don't we have big corporations? Big corporations shouldn't be allowed to buy laws. That's just weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like everybody, I'm not going to say everybody, but the majority of people, they're they are like, and I almost caught myself because I almost said it too, because we're kind of brainwashed and conditioned to think, well, it is the way it is. This is the way it is. It's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And I think that that attitude is just really screwing us right now. Anytime anybody's like, well, this is just how things are and there's no way to fix it. Well, by golly, I don't, I don't think so, you know, and it's going to start with, if they come down on us with anything that we don't want, we say no, but we say no as a collective and not, it just can't be like just me and you. And then everybody else is just like, Oh, whatever. Pointing fingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just ignoring it. And that's why I'm starting to get mm-hmm. pissed at people that are not saying anything because it starts with if one person says okay no this isn't right this is what I'm gonna do then the next person will be like okay well they did it then you know I'm gonna do that too because that's how that's how humans work yeah I think to just give you a little hope I do think we're on the brink of a revolution um the number one song in the country right now is that Oliver guy the Mm -hmm. and his lyrics are our dollars tax to no end um, the Richmond, North of Richmond, don't care about you. You know what I mean? And it's the number one song in the nation. So I think people are starting to get pissed. Um, I think getting pissed versus doing something about it are two different things though. Um, during COVID, I made the distinct line in the sand that I was not going to wear a mask. I wasn't going to social distance. I wasn't going to stay home. I was the mom at the parks tearing down the yellow tape. Um, 
And I think we, we just need to grow just a teeny bit bigger backbone every day of like, when we get that little, like putting a mask on my child, like I had this like, like convulsive reaction that it was terrible for them. Mm-hmm. And it was an instinct, like a motherly instinct that I'm like, so many people literally were so scared. They ignored that intuition that they had. And yeah. I just don't ever want to get to that spot. Like, I don't want to ever get to the spot where my intuition, I have to shut it off because someone is telling me it's, you know, just the way it is. And I, I think study, I, I forget what it is. I read this thing that like every 240 years, governments have this shift and the longest a, a, a governments went is like the crown, right? Mm-hmm. And they were what, like seven or 800 years right now. And that's the longest it's ever been without a revolution. But most governments like the Romans and um, Pharisees, all these things, like two to 300 years is usually the average age of a government before they start to get so big and corrupt that the people have to rise up to kind of get their, their lives back. And mm-hmm. I really feel that bubbling in our, in our society right now that we're kind of starting to say, Hey, overlords, like, Remember when we fought you for the 3% tax, the mm-hmm. tea party, and now we're at like almost 50%, like <laughs> we're going to have, it's never going to get smaller. They're never going to lower taxes. They're never going to lower the control. We're going to have to maybe possibly physically fight, mm-hmm. or we're going to have to do some drastic measures to get them from getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause governments always get bigger, 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 bigger. And then the people have to squash it mm-hmm. and we're there. Yeah, you know are. what I mean, and it's scary to think about, but it's nature. It's human nature. It's like tribes, naked and afraid, kind of helped us. You kind of were in a tribe, right, for naked and afraid. Yeah, I think around like fifty people, where a tribe starts having tribes of like under twenty, under thirty, they don't have a lot of drama. But when you start having tribes of fifty, you start getting mm-hmm. someone who has a lot of power and control rape starts happening, really bad things start happening because it's this control of this human, this human body. And so I think we're getting so big and so powerful that people are like, like there's no line of what's wrong and right anymore. Yeah. Well, and we know they're scared, especially in the state of Washington. Well, in other states too, other really, really blue states that they're coming down hard on the gun control. And there were some really really big big hits to us this year to the point where like we've been wanting to get out of here for the last couple of years but this is like okay this is scary like we're grandfathered in on some firearms but people cannot purchase um joe knows this much better than i do but we can't we can't go out and buy anything anymore we can't even purchase clips of i think the the capacity of oh geez i don't even i don't even know but you just, we're not allowed to do anything anymore. And then my favorite, when people say, well, why would you want to buy that? And I'm like, like the, the second amendment was not meant for like hunting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was, it was meant to keep us at the same level as the government. Well, the government has nukes and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I still don't want to be defenseless against them. You want me to just have nothing Mm -hmm. that's the scare like if you've never have you ever read a history book what's the first thing they come for the 
for the people that they want to control their guns, their weapons. So my second episode, I will tell you this, I was in Trinidad and we were not allowed to bring our blades, nothing. We couldn't bring um, camouflage clothes. We couldn't bring, because there was an uprising probably 10 years ago of the people of the government of the crown. And I looked into it once I heard this because I was so interested. I'm like, whoa, like their people can only have butter knives. Whoa. Yes. But obviously it's one of the most, un- some of those areas are the most unsafe places in the world. Why? Because you can make all the laws you want in the world. Criminals will still find what's illegal. So mm-hmm. now we have the law abiding citizens in Trinidad with nothing, right? A butter knife. They have the criminals with all of the big weapons doing all the harm to the, the law abiding citizens. And then this oligarchy government who's like, I don't know how to control all of you. So I'm just going to take all your stuff away and tax you more. And it, I'm like, they were so scared of their people that they made laws that their people can't even wear camouflage clothes because they don't want them to uprise against them. Wow. Wow. That's bizarre. So when we got there, we had to, um, the, the production, actually, I don't know exactly how it went for them to get us a knife for the jungle, but it was like a special permit. Government had to say it was okay for us to have our blade. I mean, it's (laughs) for even like to like feed themselves. Like you need a blade to like go fishing and then cut open your fish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And their people have to have permission for a blade. And I just kept thinking, like, the government, if we try to uprise, the government's going to do this kind of stuff to us. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm still, I'm still down to. Yeah, yeah we try. We, yep, we need to. <laughs> if it comes down to using our bare hands and rocks, like old school, yeah. then that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah. This last time I went to South Africa, they have this new thing called load sharing. Have you heard of load sharing? Mm-mm. So they screwed up their energy companies so freaking bad that they make the entire country turn off the power in certain areas for certain times. So every single day they shut off the power for like two hours, several times a day. <laughs> and it has something to do with the expenses and the energy company, but there was some sort of cartelism going on to where they, they screwed it up so bad. I don't know why they don't have the energy that they can't run everything all the time. So these businesses have to have generators in order to stay open, like stores and stuff. And <laughs> it just blew my mind. I was like, well, that's what's coming for us. You know, eventually oh. they're going to start monitoring our energy and shut off our power. That's fucking scary. And all of our money's digital. It's in the bank. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot. If they got mad at us enough for an uprising, if we would which is, I totally, like, I have a lot of grace for people who are scared of the revolution because it is scary because if we push this government too much, we know what they're capable of. Yeah. They'll start killing and us. They're, yeah. I mean, it's scary. And so I get it. But then there's that other part of me that's like, this is the hill we die on for our kids' future. Absolutely. Like we don't Because wanna... if it's bad for us now, like our kids could be living in the time where they do seize your bank accounts they do turn off your electricity if they're mad at you they do start selling off bank account numbers and land and you know we're in debt a lot to china right now Mm -hmm. i don't like what kind of deals are they going to make in the future with what we have 
I wouldn't be surprised if they started putting up, you know, police stations like they did in Canada in our cities. I think there there are a couple cities in the U.S. in which the Chinese government has, you know, little footholds, little. Yeah, that would be a scary thing to be a, a police officer or a government entity with a weapon. My husband was military and I often thought about like this war in Ukraine thing, like they're eventually going to send U.S. troops over there to fight. And my husband would have had to go or else it's like jail time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, even if he didn't want to go kill another human being, he would be in jail. Mm -hmm. Like, how are we here? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah again i always whenever i get into these conversations i have to like just kind of relax and let it go and look around me and look at people like you and you know this community that because we've really been able to build a community the last two years of like-minded people Mm -hmm. and i think if shit ever did hit the fan i know exactly my top 10 people i would call and we would meet and we would i mean almost kind of it kind of reminds me of in my mind, it kind of reminds me of uh, Walking Dead, like what we would have to do, who would we choose to be on our team, why it's so important to have strong male leaders, we do need physical strength, why it is it so important to take care of your body and your health, to have guns and ammo, to have food stock, to know what we learned out there on Naked and Afraid, how to provide for yourself, and to how to have the confidence to say, I'm going to go do it. And I think that's why I was cast on Naked and Afraid because I was very clear. I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I've never made a fire. I don't know how to fish. I don't know how to do any of this. I'm not a survivalist, but I know what needs to be done and I do it. I don't sit there and think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my body and myself and my health enough to know I can just go do it. And so... Those are the all world. skills that can be learned, you know? It's, yeah, totally. You don't have to be an expert in anything. Um, yeah, I'm an expert in nothing, but I know I can do anything. That's right. And that's what's yeah. most important. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was so, your partner like, Matt? He was great. Yeah. So he was a, you know, a good old Arkansas boy. And I think what really helps with me and him is he was married with kids. And so I was married with kids. So we were really easily able to step into our natural roles mm-hmm. that we kind of carried at home there. Um, he was a strong provider and I was, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I felt like I was more the emotional backbone. I'm like, we got this, we got it. We can do this. Here are some ideas. Let's shoot all these ideas out. And then, you know, while I'm doing some of the home fire stuff, you go and uh, execute them because you have more body strength. And I just am so happy I had him as a partner because we just mesh very well. Um, my second partner, you guys will see, we mesh really, really well too. And he was a little different. He wasn't as much into the gender roles and stuff, um, but we were able to totally make it work. And he, what's funny is even if you're not into gender roles, it kind of out there becomes a little, like you have to use your body strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say so much right now, but it hasn't aired. Yeah. But let's just say chopping down hundreds of bamboo trees, I could not have done. Mm-hmm. You do need a strong, like I'm, I had two strong, physically able, mentally able partners and we worked very well together. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
I'm trying to think my first partner, um, which is kind of crazy. His wife went on to compete on the first Australia alone and she won just recently. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. She's extremely knowledgeable and just awesome. So like basically Lee times 10, you know, female yeah. version. Um, Lee was super, super knowledgeable and he would sing. He had like a minor in theater. And so he would just burst out and song and dance. It was just freaking fantastic. And then I came in there really kind of damaged culturally from my lifestyle. And so I was just something totally foreign that he was not used to. Like he, he wasn't used to my filthy mouth. I had f-bombs coming out every five minutes so that was a little bit to, for him to get used to but we we got along really really well and it was a shame what happened to me on my first one but I think it kind of opened things up for me to uh, prove to myself and to everybody that I can I can be injured so badly and still want to stay in the game that it it kind of made a mark and they called me back and I was able to finally finish and it was kind of hard coming back from that because that was such a victory that there really was no beating it and that was why I wanted to participate in last one standing was because this would be like the next level up um, yeah. that, that and castaways seems really cool too but they've got a lot of advantages being able to use all that trash because we weren't allowed to ever use trash on any of my other ones <clears throat> um but so I think there, it took a lot of bravery to come back after you kind of experience winning and then mm -hmm. you come back and then you got to lose again. You know, yeah. that was, that was an interesting feeling. <laughs> I wish I could say so much right now, but oh, I'm for sure. my second episode, but we'll have to talk again after it airs. Yeah, we, um, will. we will. I have a lot of similar, those similar feelings. And I always just try to like separate myself of like, what other people think about what they see on the show versus what I actually experienced. Mm -hmm. And I mean, right alongside childbirth and family life, like these, those two experiences, I am so grateful for. Um, it, and the bonds I created with these two, two men. I mean, we call each other husband and wife now. Like I have three husbands right now. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. And like, if anything ever happened in this world, I feel so confident that I have these three amazing men that like love me and care for me. And like, they would literally die for me. And I felt that out there. And to like, feel that with people. I don't know. I think it's like the essence of life. And so mm -hmm. I would, I also think I could go out there and I could get along with anybody. Like you, what's cool about being out there is all this political shit, all of this shit, it goes to the wayside when yeah. you're out there. Because you are on a mission that has nothing to do with the outside world. You don't have a phone every 10 seconds telling you about, oh my gosh, be mad about this. Mm -hmm. You literally are like, okay, today we're making a fish basket. And then you work together, you get it done, you catch a fish and you have a victory. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really helped me see that if the world does go crazy, I know where the piece is. I know how to find it. I know life's the simplest things in life can make you really happy. And so I don't know. I don't think Naked and Afraid cares about me or knows about me, but if they did, like that's my experience from it. I'm so grateful from it. Whether they know that they're providing that for us or not, 
I, I honestly think we're kind of just dollar signs to them and, yeah. you know, Oh, here's someone to fill the slot. Let's put her out here and see what she can do. And, mm-hmm. but it's so much deeper than that for me. Yeah. I don't think they, they know what they've done for us in the, yeah. the whole scope of things. And so they might have a little, I mean, they watched us along the journey and you become really close with, you know, the people who are there with you and they see you. And I, I think they have a little glimpse of it, but I, to actually be the the one there experiencing it. I mean, they get to leave at five o'clock and go to their beds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're like, bye. <laughs> this is the best time of the night when we get to be alone. Yep. <laughs> get out of here. Take this bag and this necklace. and This necklace is let me be. I don't want to do another OTF. Yeah. <laughs> I hated those things, man. I'm like, God, you want to talk to me again? I was always such a... You were I was what? always such a brat when I they asked me to do OTFs. I was always such a brat when they'd ask me to do OTFs. And I'm like, guys, like, I don't want to talk. I just want to be like, stop making me talk. <laughs> For those of <laughs> you who like, don't, don't worry, know, it'll be quick. I'm like, OTF is it's on the fly, right? That's what it stands for. On the fly. Yeah, on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, man. But those they basically the take you aside they take you aside with their notepad they've been having all day about things they want to ask you about because the, they don't talk to you much during the day. They just film you and watch you. But they always keep notes in their phone about things they want to talk to you about. Yep. And they pull you aside and they're like, bring up something that happened six hours ago. And you're like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you feel when they said this? And how did you yeah. feel when they looked at you this way? I'm like, I didn't even notice that. What did that. you think about your partner getting mad at you for sharding in your water <laughs> <laughs> oh god the otf on that day i wonder what that was like i know i'm like we already said sorry we already hugged it out <clears throat> we're now in the if you watch my episode that night uh i forget what we said but matt made a song he was like he said he we were snuggling and he goes defecation no breathing <laughs> I'm like Within like a few hours, we were able to laugh and poke fun at it. You know what I mean? I think that's the secret to life is like kind of owning when you do stupid stuff and then being ad, being able to use your sense of humor about it and not be so hard on yourself. Exactly. It's a, it's a teaching moment. It's with, yeah. you know, we inspect those things about ourselves and try to improve them because nobody's. Yeah, I know. I keep thinking about my second episode airing because I have my experience in my head mm-hmm. and then you have your episode. Yeah. And they're always so different. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I'm like, what, what dumb shit did I say that I didn't know that I said? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, and it's coming. Yep. You know, the, it's, just watching yourself oh, is a whole nother. That's experience. why they put me on the show. That's right. Me too. <laughs> they're like, this girl says some crazy ass shit. This is going to be good TV. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the whole format. It's been a long time since you've been waiting. Yeah. I kind of am hoping for an invite to Castaways. I heard that they got a second season going of that. That would be a, that would be my next one I'd love to do. I Good. think. Yeah, you yep. should. Or go do I'd, a, I'd love to do Man Last Standing. Man Standing, but I think you've had to have done a 40 day. So I'm not there yet. But my personality is very, I feel like I could do Last Man Standing. I think you would do very well. Do yeah. You, do you kinda, see an XL I, in your future? Um, I was invited on one and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to make it work, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
when you have three kids, this kind of is, I mean, this is like third, fourth, fifth down on the list of priorities. And so everything really has to line up for it to happen. Um, and if I'm being really honest, the time away from work mixed with the amount of money it costs to have a nanny, it's it's really financially a wash for our, our family, maybe even a dip for our family. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of factors. The only factor that makes me obsess is my personal growth, how much I love it. And, and that's not always worth all the other things that it takes away from your family. So I'm always, I just try, I'm trying to be at peace that if that, those are my only two episodes I ever air that I'm at peace and I don't, this doesn't need to be the forever addiction for me. You know what I mean? I'm at peace with it. Yeah. So if it happens and it works out and I get invited and everything, the stars align, I will, I'd kill it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really just has to, it has to make sense. And so we'll see, we'll see. But I, the last one standing, I have that eye for reading other people and kind of, you know, saying what they want to hear sometimes. And so I think I would be good. I think I could do that one. I think you should go for it. My experience is, well, I'll talk more about that in the future, but for now. Yeah. We'll talk again after my episode airs because we have a lot of similar sounds like with some things. Yes, absolutely. I've been dying to talk more about it, but it's kind of like, can't just yet. (laughs) I know you're waiting. And also, are you going on that? Are you going on the fans cruise? No, I'm staying as far away from that fucking thing as possible. Are you going? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is it booked out? Is like everybody going to be there? I don't know. There's like 60 cast members I heard come in. And the only reason I'm going is my partner and his wife, my first partner, Matt and his wife were like, you could just sleep on our couch. So I just bought a plane ticket and I'm just going to come and I'm just going to go by myself cool. and sleep on their couch and it's free. And so, but mainly I want to hang on Matt and Kelsey, mm-hmm. him and his wife have become like my besties. And, but I, I'm interested in meeting everyone. I think people have a persona of others based on their social media, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And to meet all of these people, maybe who don't agree with anything we just talked about and think it's all conspiracy and all paranoia. I think it would be interesting to sit with them in person at a table and say, see, look, we do get along. Yeah, see, absolutely. We do, connect, we do connect on more things than what social media's algorithms are dividing us by. And so I kind of like that kind of challenge, like to meet people in person and be like, see, you do like me. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't been to any of the reunions that we hold then. I went to Tennessee camp last year. Oh, but it Me wasn't my all husband, n- naked and afraid. It was, there were fans there too, right? There was a few. Yeah, but it was me, a lot of the cast. It was probably like 20 cast members. Trish was there. Sarah was there. Uh, yeah. Joe, Matt, another, the Joe Maynard, a bunch of people. But I'm trying to me think. and my husband, we flew to Arkansas to mm-hmm. my, my, Matt, I almost said my, my, my Bush husband's house. And he had an extra Harley. So we, his wife had a Harley. I was on a Harley with my, my partner, Matt. And then my husband, Matt, had the extra Harley. So we took three Harleys and we drove from Arkansas to Tennessee, 12 hours in the pouring rain. Cool. <laughs> it was like a core memory, like bonding experience, like bonding another experience. So now me and Matt are really best friends. 
Um, and then we camped and then we took the Harleys back and it was like a week of torture slash amazing fun. So I'm just like, I want to hang out with Matt and Kelsey again, see what we can do. Awesome. <laughs> well, you'll have to loop me in on how it goes. They've been bugging me for the last couple of years. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I won't. Maybe next time, but. Okay. And then we'll hang out. <laughs> but we and live so close together. What we talk about. We de definitely need to get together because we're super close yeah. to each other. So what area do you live in again? You know where Ocean Shores is? Or Westport, Grace Harbor, Aberdeen, Washington. Yes, Aberdeen. Yep. Okay. All right. We were just in Hoodsport two weekends ago. Is that close-ish? Yeah. That's only about an hour and a half for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's get together. Shireen, Shireena or Shireen? Oh, yeah. Have you met her? No, but her husband, Sean, and her and me have been close. And we've been talking about like a little get-together. So we should all get together. Absolutely. I'll be there. Just let me know. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll okay. plan it. All right, All I right. gotta go to Costco. Yeah, I'm gonna end this recording. Thank you so much. Don't hang up yet because I'm just gonna end the recording. If I can figure out how the hell to open my thing. Hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, that's how. Shit. Okay, thanks for coming. The Stoic of the Week is a mix-up of a few. So we're gonna just go with a few, okay? John Locke said, no man's knowledge here can go beyond his experience. Hegel said, only one man ever understood me and he didn't understand me. And Soren Kierkegaard said, life must be understood backward, but it must be lived forward. Have a great week. Thanks for listening.